Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 556 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with my co-host Joe, yet again. How are we doing today, Joe? Yet again, uh, mm-hmm. for the 556th time again, we are <laughs> right, doing right. this, yes. Uh, so how are we doing? I'm doing good, Todd. Uh, I wrote down 1045 because I knew you would hit the... Uh, the instrumental post, if you will, and you did. I was very proud of you. Well, that's what I do. You know, we were talking the other day of when, like, the anniversary of all this was, right? Yeah. And, you know, obviously it goes back to Three Guys from Nowhere. Then there was a break uh, in between there. But, you know, they still count, right? hmm Even though we were off for a year, whatever it was. But we are, eh, I think... A couple months away from the uh, anniversary, the official anniversary of us doing this podcast. Um, oh, the thing. Which iteration now? If we're going back to the very beginning mm-hmm. and we look at episode one of Three Guys from Nowhere, it was August 2nd of 2009. Ooh, but that would have been, we already missed the 10 year anniversary, right? Right. But, you know, whatever. I know. Well, we should do a we should do a three man chair there, one, a booth again one time. Uh, I think it's tough to wrangle DJ these days. He's a very busy man. Mm, I got a drink that'll that'll entice him. Oh, okay. I heard he likes. We got time. We got uh, what two months to coordinate that? That's right. We're all vaccinated, so it could work out. Oh, he was uh, inviting people over to his spacious living room online. So, Ooh. well, there's a bear outside. I'm not going. I get scared. Oh, there's multiple bears outside DJ's house. And they all mean business. Uh, not that one. True, true. Would you so like to Todd, know what we... we got to talk about on the show today? Uh, all right. In news, we have DC Comics announces uh, free comic book day stuff. Also, new services from Diamond. Um, and Jimmy Pistol gets some holiday special competition. And a rare treat the third week in a row. For the Rob Watch, I don't think that's ever happened in the history of this show, Joe. Also, uh, digital sales, what we read last week, which was Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters, number one, and Fantastic Four Life Story, number one. Uh, What we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd and Joe have issues with the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Um, Also, at the end of the show, we will have spoiler-filled talk of The Flash and the latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow. I think that about covers it and uh, Todd's art attack, of course. Oh, Todd, yes, there was many. And a holdover from last week. And I found out all the uh, – well, I'll tell the story with that. I know all the official players now in that story. Okay, good. So as Todd mentioned, as we had speculated and postulated here, uh, what DC was going to do, if anything, for Free Comic Book Day. And they are doing something for Free Comic Book Day. They officially announced this. Uh, just earlier this week that they are doing four books. Uh, They are doing tie-ins to their next two big Batman stories in one Batman Free Comic Book Day Special Edition. Uh, They are doing another um, 
double shot tie into Suicide Squad and a Get Joker series by Brian Azzarello and Alex Maleev. They're doing, I would assume, um, an excerpt, a preview from the Raven Beast Boy graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing um, Amethyst and a Batman and Robin and Howard kids book. So it looks like they have like five books. I thought they only had four. Look at me looking like a fool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hey, I'm glad that they're doing a bunch of stuff for free comic book day instead of completely ignoring it. Right. And you were worried they weren't even going to be legally able to. Right. And uh, all the preview stuff has the uh, free comic book day logo right in the right in the cover of everything here, huh? That's right. I guess it's public domain, Joe. Let's do our own free comic book day book. You talked about that, but that sounds like way too much work than it actually would be. Next thing you're going to suggest is we're going to do a set of cards or something. Well, I got a I got a box of Crayolas with the sharpener, so we could do, you know, a couple of comics. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be getting the Batman one. I'll be getting the uh, Suicide Squad one. Oh, I'm all over the Suicide Squad one, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mostly just because the Suicide Squad one has art by um, Scott Collins, who's one of my favorite artists of all time. Mayan too, Mayan too, and uh, you know I'll be thinking like hopefully the Flash shows up in this somehow, or at least Captain Cold. At least, and this is I think DC prime in the pump, in the hopes that King Shark is going to be like the big breakout star of the Suicide Squad movie uh, this summer as well. He's going to be the new Groot. Hmm. Is he going to be the new Groot? I don't know if he's going to be the new. I like. I don't think my five-year-old niece is going to know who King Shark is. Well, if, you know, if Jimmy Pistol has anything to say about it, he, she will. Yes. So, again, good for you, DC, um, being a part of Free Comic Book Day and not, mm-hmm. like, doing your own thing or, even worse, doing nothing. That's right. So, uh, also, this week, Diamond has announced two new services. You say services. I say opportunities. Uh, one is for distributors, something that they're calling demand check, uh, which is going to be a way that they can assist retailers in what trades and collections and graphic novels and so forth that they need to order more of or at least request to be printed again. Right. And I think that's not a bad idea. And it makes me think, why weren't they doing that in the first place? I agree. I'm, I mean, obviously, the technology was probably there. But it makes me, I just have a feeling with anything, it's going to be screaming into the void, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Because if, well, if, they, if they were going to do it, they would have done it before. They, if they listen, like, most places don't listen to retailers, you know, so... One can only hope that this is Diamond actually making the concerted effort to actually listen to retailers, which in turn means you, the person buying stuff, needs to go there and say, hey, like, why are these, like, Starman trades not here anymore? Right, because we don't do them anymore at all, so. Right, because they're out of print. And they're DC, so. Well, okay, right, but what I'm saying is, so DC... But there's stuff that's out there that's out of print. Right. But, like, and I agree, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, that could be great. Like, Diamond could get all this information, 
But I, I just have a feeling retailers, especially like with Marvel and whatever, they've hit them before and they're like, these are the key books that I want. Why aren't these always in print? Like I was just on eBay today, as a matter of fact, and I see um, uh, Books of Doom by Ed Brubaker, you know, Steve Epting, beautiful looking book, beautiful written book. I don't think that's been in print since it's it's been out. And don't tell me that like some retailer was like, this isn't a book that would sell with like, you know, Epting selling out the wazoo on his creator own stuff. So I don't know. Hopefully it does work, but I'm just a bit negative sometimes. I I feel as though at least it's a step in the right direction. Okay, fair enough. So the other thing that Diamond has launched is something called Pullbox, which is going to be a way for you, uh, the consumer, to convey with your comic book shop uh, to make sure that they're getting the books that you want them to get for you. Um, right from the press release, obviously everything. Um, so it does say here that Pullbox will include the DC books. Um, it says Pullbox will allow fans to use Previews World website to place orders directly with their local comic book shop. A suite of easy-to-use tools allows consumers to sync orders with participating local comic shops, obviously that being a key if your comic shop is participating in this, manage pre-order subscriptions, place special orders, keep a wish list, and track weekly purchases. It also provides customers with an email alert for order confirmations when items are available for pickup. Mm-hmm. So our shop more or less does this. I don't think this is for me. Me either. So I wonder who this is for. I think this is for a lot of those shops. Um, I, I actually, I think this this isn't even for the shop. This is to get people to pre-order things because in the world, like I, I with all like from our retailers' tweets and Facebook posts and other people, like uh, I can't think of Sterling's, like I've seen, like it's just like if you tell us, I will get you these books. I think it's a way to open people's eyes to there's pre-orders. It's like, oh, Fortnite. If I had known, I would have ordered it. Or the hot book. It's like, you can't, you know, just this is something look through and pre-order it. I don't think a lot of people uh, do that. I think they do have pull lists, but they don't really do the deep dives that we do when we're ordering stuff, Joe. Right. So this is something that's going to officially launch on June 7th. So we're still about two weeks away, mm-hmm. uh, give or take, to this being a thing. Um, I don't know if this sounds like something that is going to help you to make sure that your comic shop has the books that you actually want. Give it a try and let us know how it works. I agree. And only good things happen on June 7th. So I think this is going to be a big thing. Hmm. Well. <laughs> It hasn't been for the last 40 plus years. Let's see if this is the one that turns the tide. <laughs> I hope it does. Uh, so last but not least in the news, um, just this week, the CW announced their fall programming schedule, um, what shows are coming back and so forth. But also on the list of things uh, was, I would assume, a spinoff of Legends of Tomorrow, and that would be the Bebo Saves Christmas animated special. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel this is um, 
a direct response to the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special? I think that is a part of it. I think it's a little, I, I, I wouldn't doubt, you know, if it was a little like, you know, a little rib, if you will, Joe. No, it looks as though, at least in the initial voice cast that's announced, it looks like it's people from the Bebo universe. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like there's any sort of superheroes in it, but uh, this is, you know, maybe we're going to keep those for a spoiler. Um, but yeah, we talked about that they needed to do more with Bebo. Bebo is a licensing and marketing uh, bonanza, not unlike uh, DJ Smormello or whatever his name. Uh, DJ uh, Smore Money. Yep. That DC, Warner Brothers, etc. should be putting out all sorts of merchandise of these things, and they're not doing it. So at least a Christmas special is a good thing, right? I agree. Um, but they do have one big name, the narrator, Joe. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, the, that's right. The, of course, the narrator is uh, Eugene Grimby from the Wool Council. I just was work, waiting for you to work a Wool Council joke in. Of course. But, that's uh, the only thing he's known for, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like the fact that, like, in the, in this article I'm looking at, that Phil Clemmer is the guy who's a producer, said uh, that they're waiting for a special moment to bring Bebo out. And I like the way he described Bebo. Bebo is like one of those spices that you don't want to use too much. you got to wait for the special moment where you need to make it really pop. And uh, then in a later interview, he said, I can't promise anybody Bebo. Eventually, sure, yeah, we're in contract negotiations with his agent. So I like this guy's style. I believe Bebo is the ultimate spice. Well, I watched a documentary about him this week. I, I hope there's not another one that comes out later this week that contradicts it. Oh, okay. Anyway, with the news out of the way, there's one last thing to discuss. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And that is the Rob Watch. It has been an ongoing saga with the Rob in regards to the spoilers or possible spoilers regarding his Mighty Crusaders book. Um, Because... A key plot point was leaked on a variant cover, even though the Rob claims he didn't name the artist, but he certainly did give links to their art and the article in which it was announced and so forth. Um, People were wondering what was going to happen with this property now that Archie owns it again. So Archie released this press statement last week. Uh, That Archie is pleased to inform fans and retailers that the release of Mighty Crusaders The Shield number 1 will proceed and hit its originally scheduled release date of June 30th. Uh, A new writer is being brought in to script the issue based on the Rob's artwork. Please stay tuned to our social media pages and website for more updates as they become available. Um... I'd like to thank everyone for their patience and understanding as they worked on reaching an amicable conclusion to this product. We look forward to everyone enjoying The Shield number 1 on its release June 30th, featuring an assortment of incredibly variant covers, talented artists across the comic book industry, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Very nice, I think very classy on Archie's part 
regarding the handling of what is always seemingly a sticky situation. Right. And I think uh, the only reason it's going to hit its June 30th mark is because, you know, they have different people putting out that book. Well, uh, the Rob, of course, cannot let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, fun fact, Shield number one had a June 30th release date. I exited the project on May 8th, activating the release in my contract. <laughs> I have turned in all the final art files for work I produced that was paid for. As I do on any project, I work out of order and sequences are incomplete. <laughs> Again, I appreciate that Archie representatives solicited and ultimately recruited me over many months in order to do this work. I was excited to expose these characters to a new generation. Despite, in quotes, creative differences, I offered to complete the issue, but this has been rejected. And that, as they say, is that. Now, as you and I know, Todd, when it comes to the Rob, that is never that. No. And I do like the fact that he throws out there that says, as of May 8th, um, I activated the release in my contract and I turned in all my final art files. But when I found out that they were actually still going to publish the book, I offered to finish the issue and they told me to go pound sand. Good for them. Good for them indeed. And I just want to say I'm shocked absolutely shocked that the rob works out of order on pages joe the continuity on his pages is absolutely seamless so that's that's i just i don't believe it and i just want to double check to see if there's been any updates with this mm, on twitter um on the yeah no the only thing that they have is just that update from last week um and as they say, um, never read the replies. <laughs> Boy. A lot of people asking whatever happened with uh, Afterlife with Archie. That's something I should dig into to see whatever happened with that, because that's been a long, 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 long time to be finished. That's because that guy is doing the TV shows and all. And I, I isn't he writing like the Sabrina TV show on Netflix? I mean, that's over now. Yeah, that's, I think I think he was. Yeah. So. See Let me look at that while we're talking here. What'd you say? Look at that while we're talking, eh? Yeah, that's what we do here. So, it looks as though the most recent issue, 11, was solicited to come out in December of 2016. Wow. Yeah. That book's never ending. Yeah. Because uh, they were on, like, uh, kind of a hit-or-miss schedule there with, like, issue 9 coming out in May 2016. Actually, five years ago to this day. Um, <laughs> issue 10 came out in August. Issue 11 was solicited to come out in December of 2016. And Bob's your uncle. There you are. Look at that. A special uh, episode of Today in Comic Book History. Or on this day in Comic Book History, right? That's mm -hmm. how you say it? 
Uh, and I just this day in comic book history. Okay. So uh, that's what we got going on there, of course. Uh, be sure to check out uh, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. When any of the shows uh, in the network, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, or Porch Talk go live. You will find them all at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime anyone from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know they're on those other shows, they'll also appear there as well. Uh, you can also check out some of our fellow creative friends like Kevin Hellions over at masklibrary.com, uh, where he does lots of blogs and reviews of some of the more offbeat comic book properties, um, thrift store and dollar general finds, things like that. Uh, Rick Williams, the chop shop at free karate chops.storeenvy.com, where he does all of his cool resin, sci fi, fantasy, wrestling, etc. mashup things. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters are both available for purchase digitally through Comixology, with links to all of those in the show notes. Uh, our friend Becky does a lot of uh, original art with some of the packages that she sends out for our local comic book shop. You could check out her work at her Instagram. You could also check her other social media pages and the comic book shop social media. Link to that is set up. Comics on the green. Uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, if you don't trust whatever this pull box thing that Diamond is going to do, <laughs> reach out to our local retailer. He's been doing a bang-up job, doing exactly what he's doing for, what, nearly 30 years at this point? I think it's over 30 years. Yeah, over 30 years. Um, yeah, check him out. You know, get that subscription going, get that stuff mailed out to you weekly, monthly, however it is that you want those coming out to you. Uh, but like I said, all the links to those will be in the show notes here. Uh, if you are a digital book person, there are a bunch of sales going on. As I mentioned, some of the holdovers from the last couple of weeks, uh, Images Sci-Fi sale is ending as we speak. That includes all of Saga, uh, Saga... Not as late as Afterlife with Archie, but it definitely had more impact and more issues than Afterlife with Archie. Uh, Boom's Power Rangers stuff and Dynamite Red Sonya stuff still on sale. Marvel having sales on Conan the Barbarian stuff and Secret Wars adjacent stuff. My friend Ian was just uh, rereading Secret Wars 2 and tweeting about it the other day. And you forget how stupid Secret Wars 2 was. Oh, I've heard some fun stuff from people, but when they talk about that that, that project, yes, yes. Uh, everyone points to the famous uh, crossover with Spider-Man, mm -hmm. where Spidey has to teach the Beyonder how to use the turlet. That's right. He doesn't know how to use the three shells, show. No. If only he had Rob Schneider there to help him. Hmm. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on the Witcher property, which I think is a video game of some kind. And Archie, speaking of them, is having a line-wide sale on pretty much everything. Uh, go get those previous 10 issues of Afterlife with Archie, and then set yourself up for a notification when issues 11 and 12 <laughs> come out. Right. So, let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? 
I would like to start with the book I was looking forward to most, Fantastic Four, Life Story, number one, The 60s, um, written by Mark Russell, art by Sean Isaacsi. I hope I nailed that. Um, this is uh, a different telling of the Fantastic Four origins because apparently the life story thing, there was a Spider-Man book that was like, you know, an out of continuity tale. And this is the same thing. Takes place in the 60s during the, the space race and uh, Reed Richards goes to see President Kennedy because there's been these three launches into space and they've all gone horribly, and, you know, the Russians beat them. So Reed agrees to, you know, build the spaceship. And there's a lot of, like, interesting from him, his internal dialogue about, like, a, a good idea comes from inspiration, a bad idea comes from desperation. And that's a reoccurring theme throughout the book. And we end up seeing that the, the, the project gets shelved, but Reed decides to push on anyway and the team that he brings together is obviously all the characters you know with some tweaks like instead of reed's college buddy ben Grimm being the pilot um for some reason uh johnny storm he's johnny storm's friend but otherwise all the basic parts of the characters are there they go into space obviously the accident happened spoiler alert for the fantastic four and reed has a vision um of something and whether it's coming and that he's just trying to when he comes back, they, they have their powers and he's trying to uh, get people to listen to him and nobody wants to and how like the, it, all this changes their lives. Um, I'm doing this, this whole book a disservice because I really like this. I really like this origin of the book. There are many things on like the way they get their name and the four and the, the, it's the fourth flight and all these things that in it, I think are, are the nuts and bolts for the uh if they ever do a fantastic four movie they could use this well when they do not if but you know like all, all the little things to modernize it but keep it set in the 60s it still works some way i i actually love this book and there's like a, a thing uh with ben uh, pun intended the thing where he's uh, gonna get married and the way that goes and eventually it always never works out for ben so like i said this had the feel of a fantastic four book, but it was like a different telling, like a fresh telling. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I I'm interested in what you thought. I thought it was good. Oh, okay. Um, obviously fantastic four origin. I take for granted, you know, there's a lot of people out there that probably know by heart or at least could explain to you the, bare bones, the fishbone skeleton, if you will, of your Spider-Man origin, your Superman origin, maybe even your Batman origin, right? Mm -hmm. And I think once you move up to, like, the next level of fandom, I think everyone knows the Fantastic Four's origin, okay? Right. And even if you know the Fantastic Four's origin is four people, friends, whatever, steal a spaceship, and are bombarded with cosmic rays and become the Fantastic Four. Even if that's all you know, right? Mm -hmm. And that's as fishbone as a origin as you as an explanation of the origin as you can get, right? Right. But where the issue comes in with the Fantastic Four's origin, with a lot of the characters' origins, where they continually need to tweak them because I was going to ask, why does this story exist, right? Mm -hmm. And the, why does this so story exist is the reason why this story exists, which is it's celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Fantastic Four. 
Mm-hmm. So these are characters that have pretty much stayed the same for the last 60 years. And I say pretty much there's been a change here or a change there, but they've always kind of reverted back to what those core concepts were in those stories uh, from Stanley and Jack Kirby back in the 60s, right? Right. So by doing this origin story, and whether you want to call it an Elseworld story or, you know, however you want to tell it, once you set them in 2021 back in 1961, and then the crux of this is the next issue is the 70s. So I would assume the next issue is going to be the 80s. The next issue is going to be the 90s and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Are they going to age in real time with as this story is being told? I believe so, because that's the way the Spider-Man life story one way. Right. And again, I'm a Spider-Man guy. I didn't read the Spider-Man thing because it was pitched as a Spider-Man origin story. And I'm like, I've read that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm OK with whatever little bits and changes that they made. Like they kind of young Johnny down a little bit. Then the rest of them, um, they age Sue up maybe a little bit more from 1961. Uh, they have Ben being Johnny's friend, which I think is a mistake. Ben should always be Reed's friend. That is, see, I want to see where this goes because that's the thing. Because if if Ben is not Reed's lifetime friend, why would he ever forget, like, work with yeah. him or forgive him for the one huge mistake that that ruined Ben's life? That's yeah. the linchpin of Reed and Ben. So that inherently is. So this is a story that you could tell, but I think. While this is a story where so much of it is the narration of the story is like bad choices, bad decisions, whatever, I think making Ben not be Reed's friend from the start is a bad choice. Okay. Um, But in a good choice, I like that they more directly tie Galactus into their origin. Yes. Whereas I don't think Galactus was tied into their original origin. Never. Not, Not at all. And not I'm even... not saying by any stretch, I don't think that this is going to re- replace the comic book continuity origins of these characters. Um, I don't think that this is going to, um, I, I think it's going to be closer to what Todd is saying, uh, that if and when they do the movie, that it's going to be closer to this um, than that. But even still, I can't see them doing something that takes place in the 60s. Well, no, but more of what I mean is like, like little things like how they get their name and like, well, we're the four, uh, even though there's four of them, that makes it simple. It's like they were the fourth mission. You know what I mean? So you would say that they're the four, like, I don't know if I'm getting through what I'm trying to say. It's the little things that you need because I worry about fantastic Four the movie, because the heart of it is, is, is bygone. Like, at least with Spider-Man, you could go, all right, nobody's doing radiation experiments out in front of kids in the, in the, you know, two thousands or whatever, like they, like the sixties kind of an idea, like the space race is very important to the, the FF's origin. So that you got to figure out how you're going to change. But I just mean little things like the outfits, even like that's why they have the four on their chest is because they're the fourth mission makes total sense. Would not be surprised if that's in the Fantastic Four movie. And I equate it to, like, at least uh, Captain America's real easy because he he's in, you know, suspended animation for all those years. But somebody like Magneto is going to get harder and harder to be, 
you know, the Jewish uh, concentration camp thing when you're 100 years out from World War II. Um, so, yeah, I do worry about the, the things that you need to tweak. For, I don't know if it's going to transcend when, the, when, the, when it comes to the movies, the way other stuff does, like with Spider-Man and, and mutants, like because hatred is universal. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I think you get what I mean. I do. Um, and obviously the X-Men are their own problem unto themselves. Mm-hmm. But another thing here is, and you know, the the lack of Doctor Doom in this. But Doctor Doom wasn't in their origin. But Doctor Doom went to college with Reed and Ben, and now Reed and Ben didn't go to college together. Where does Doom like? Where is Doom going to fit into all of this? I get with that, but I think they'll just fit into he's went to college with just Reed. You know what I mean? Okay. Again, like I said, is the Fantastic Four origin very good? Yes. Is this a very good comic? Yes. Is this a comic that needed to be written? Eh, Probably not. Uh, I'm glad that Mark Russell and Stephen Isaac Casey and the cover artist Daniel Acuna are getting a paycheck off of this Mm -hmm. because I'm sure this will sell a bunch and... It'll be collected and traded as long as you remind Diamond that they need to keep it in print. Um, so they'll make a couple bucks off this, right? Right. But I do want to say, as you say, like, okay, Doom's not tied to Ben and Reed. Reed's not tied to Ben. You know what? Reading Mark Russell, he's earned he's earned it to let me see where it's going to go. Like, Because I don't think he just made these changes arbitrarily, if you get what I mean. Like, I think he's going somewhere in, in, in this, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I've enjoyed his stuff that much that it's like, all right, if you did this, you have a reason. Let's see. And you saying this book didn't need to be made, it, Todd needed it to be made. So I wanted it. I like this. So I'll take it. So moving on to the other book uh, that we both read, and that would be Immortal Hulk, The Time of Monsters, number one. Uh, written by Al Ewing and Alex Pacanel, uh, with art by Juan Ferreira. Mm-hmm. So this is the origin or the first Hulk story ever, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it takes place uh, nine, uh, 9500 B.C., so it's, you know, a very old tale, if you will. And essentially, a young man is sacrificed to the green wind um, and is graphically torn apart as a sacrifice to the villagers who are constantly on the move and have no more food. And then when he emerges at night as this hulking thing, uh, the villagers overtake it and they essentially eat the beast. And they're like, oh, the the land has given to us to eat of this beast and uh, uh, give us the nutrients and kind of keep us alive. Um, So we're going to just kind of move on to the next town over and do essentially the same thing. But this is, you know, uh, this is to show that the Hulk cannot be destroyed by these conventional means. He reassembles himself and kills everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this was okay. Um, I both loved and really disliked this book at the same time. Yeah, it, so 
again, I'll kind of paint this with the same brush that I painted the Fantastic Four thing with. While this is a good story, I feel as though this was an idea that Al Ewing has for maybe the last five issues of Immortal Hulk, and he needs a way to explain it, so we get this. I don't... I kind of differ, but I don't know because I'm not reading other books. Okay. Is this the Hulk from Jason Aaron's like for very first Avengers, you know, like they have like the first iron fist, the first, like in the series of them. And the, like, there's the ghost rider on the mammoth. You know what I mean? Do you remember you know what I'm talking I do, about? I don't and know I, if it's the same one, but I could see it being the same one. I think it is the same one. And I believe like, this is my, uh, my belief is that Jason Aaron's like, Oh, there's a Hulk out there that I didn't create. I have to figure out how to tie it into my Hulk because okay. all the Hulks are here. Like there's, you know, the Mr. Fix it. There's this one. There's that one. Like I said, we haven't got Maestro yet, but like what, whatever, I think that might be coming, but you see like what I'm trying to say. So I think that's what he was going for. And in, in it, I was like, oh, let me do, and I'm like, I just don't care because I don't believe, like, of all the like characters that have a history, or you try to write in a history that you never knew about, um, Hulk shouldn't have it because Hulk is damaged because of what happened to Bruce. Like, I, I don't believe there should be a Hulk before before Bruce, a Ghost Rider before Danny Ketch, Johnny Blaze, any of them. I'm fine with. I don't know. I just think the Hulk should begin with the Hulk and everything after it from there. We don't need a, an origin story before the Hulk. Right. I'm 100% with you. Um, but I definitely think this is exactly what you're saying where my mind was going with this. It's, this is a way for Al Ewing through the Jason Aaron story to explain that the Hulk was not created by the gamma bomb of Gen, Of course, that doesn't make sense in 2021 when that was more of a 50s and 60s thing, more of a 50s thing. But anyway, but this is a way to explain that the green door has always been there. Right. But I think it's not the explosion so much like you're saying. It's just that Gamma created. Like I I gathered that like whatever was in that crater was a Gamma irradiated um, meteor. So they throw them in there. They're like, there's something here. Like they're like, this place is death. And it's like Gamma changes you. And this is the not only the first Hulk, but it's the very first person in human history to be changed by gamma radiation. I don't know. It's like too much. It's, it's too much. And I've seen the bit where the Hulk gets revenge by, from eating it, eating him in swamp thing about a billion times. So it's not a fresh idea either. If you get what I mean. For anyway, sure. I'm done. And then there's the, uh, backup story. Um, by David Vaughn with art by Kevin Nolan. Uh, looked really nice, but it just kind of goes to show you when, at least in recent memory, when the Hulk's not written by Al Ewing, it just doesn't pop the same way. I, I He seemed out of character. Yeah, this seemed just to be a tale to tell whatever this was. Something to, to fill up the issue, make it a 4 99 Yeah. Uh, but it was fine. It looked Kevin Nolan's art's real nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, maybe, uh, overall 
underwhelming stuff, at least on my end, from what we read this past week. But uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your Fantastic Four book. Yeah. Well, maybe, hopefully, you know, next week's uh, stuff we read will be better for you. Yes. So if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them mailed to your home, whether you wait for the trade or the oversized hardcover, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am still in the lead with two correct guesses over Todd. Let's see what we can do with the uh, leaderboards this week. Mm -hmm. Since I started, I go first. Looking over your list is the book you're looking forward to most, Stargirl Spring Break Special Number 1. It is Stargirl Spring Break Special Number 1. Uh, DC books come out a day beforehand, but I still wait till Wednesday to pick up all my books. I'm not making two trips. And, uh, if a lot of the things that are intimated of going on and spinning out in the future from this book, uh, I could be a very happy man in the near future. Mm -hmm. Looking at your list, uh, I think the book that you were most looking forward to coming out this week would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin Number 3. It is the book I'm looking forward to most. Yes, yes. Uh, you sure are getting a lot of books this week. Well, I'm reading a lot of books and enjoying them. Not like you, you old curmudgeon. Well, again, it was a busy week. I didn't get a chance to read a ton of things. And the stuff that I read, unfortunately, did not knock my socks off. Hopefully I'll get uh, more opportunity with the air conditioning being fixed. More on that on After Dark this week to stay inside and read comic books instead of (laughs) enjoying this beautiful weather we're having. Outside sucks to Joe. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, So while you're over at uh, longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the ongoing smash sensation Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, where we are discussing the mid-2000s Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray run on Jonah Hex, and the possibly maligned uh, Spider-Clone Saga. Right. Uh, Todd, how do you want to handle this one this week? What, what? How do you feel? I don't care. Either way is good with me. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Jonah Hex. I'll, I'll go first with this, and then you chime in where you need to. Yep. Um, so this is a story entitled Return to Devil's Paw. Uh, this, I guess, is maybe the first... Uh, issue that kind of ties into something that we read from this kind of sorta uh right. because Jonah is on the trail of the Pete Montana gang uh for a bunch of money that they had taken but while he is after them and these are the words used in the book of course uh a native american shows up and kind of takes out the Pete Montana gang but the Pinkertons accuse Jonah of not only killing the Pete Montana gang, but also making off with the money that the Pete Montana gang stole, which is what Jonah was looking to bring them back in. Like, looking to bring them and the money back in, Jonah just brings them back in. Right. Well, to get on that, this is the sequel to Issues 21, right. Jonah so Hex. That's right, that's what I was saying, right. So this is, like, a direct sequel to something from, like, five or six issues ago. 
Right, which this is the issue. I don't know if you remember 21, just to get, they go to Devil's Paw, but it starts out with the with the completely uninvolved to the main story, women showing up in the town and they get attacked. Yes. And Jonah, yes, goes to Devil's Paw, comes back. You know, he's the only one who survives that, obviously, that gang that they're showing. Then he goes to this town and finds all the people hurt and killed, and he kills the people in the town. We thought that it was... I thought maybe, like, weirdly, it was supposed to be the Pinkertons he was killing. This is the sequel that I believe should have been after this issue, but probably got really messed up. Like, maybe Jordy Bernay was supposed to draw that one, too, and they got a different... I don't know. This one just seems, like, too little too late to to, to tell this story. But, yes. Well, just... it, it kind of helps us that we're reading these weekly. Mm-hmm. So that it's not, like, so far flung. Like, this essentially is coming out eight to nine months after that previous thing, right? Right. And at no point does it say, you know, uh, continued from the events of issue, whatever. It's just like, we're throwing you in. Hopefully you read that issue eight or nine issues ago. And if you didn't, we ain't going to give you a reminder as to what's going on, you know? Right. Because a lot of these are one and dones. And there's many times Jonah's in the middle of like something for like, that's where the story starts in these. Right, and I do want to say the artist here, uh, Rafa Garez, mm-hmm. um, and along with, you know, and they don't credit the colorist or the inker, I'm assuming that he did all of that himself. This book is beautiful. Ooh, okay. Even the scenes that are, like, gruesome, there's a lot of, like, two-page shots um, or, like, dialogue list battle scenes. Uh, especially with Jonah and that one Native American character where they're like bashing each other with rocks and they're just, you know, pounding each other into the pavement. It's beautifully gory. I love this art. See, this is my, this might be some of my least favorite art on this Jonah Hex run. Wow. Um, Now it is beautifully gory, but I find occasionally at times with the coloring and the art, I find it difficult to figure out what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Because it's kinds of blends into each other. Uh, I think uh, a lot of it is, you know, there's certain scenes where he's just using like two or three colors and one of those colors are black. So everything kind of blends together. And sometimes the panel layout is a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I like the, how it's so different, you know? Okay. Um, I like when it's easier, like when it's three people and a thing, like when, when they're doing the free for all between the Pinkerton gang and the, and the, the native Americans. And there's like 50 people like fighting each other. I get completely lost. But when it's Jonah, like, they're like, Oh my God, you survived like the rite of passage or whatever. So you get to stay like, that's when it works for me. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just, I, of the artists, like my least favorite. So. So, um, you know, Jonah is taken in by this Native American tribe. It's a tribe that he didn't even know about, uh, but they are the tribe of the Red Scorpion. Um, and they do a very um, Flash Gordon movie-esque <laughs> thing where they put that box around his arm yep. and they let the scorpion bite him. And then he does pass out, but he survives. So they're like, okay, you're essentially part of our our tribe now because you were able to survive this. Joan is much more concerned about getting his clothes back. Um, and he essentially says, like, listen, we need to kind of get our stuff together here because the Pinkertons are on their way. 
both to get me because they think I got the money, and two, because I kind of told them that you killed all the other men, which you did. And uh, as you mentioned, there's the big bad shootout. Uh, the Pinkertons are either felled or, for the most part, chased off. And then there was one lone survivor of the Red Scorpion tribe. And Jonah's like, I'll give you a couple days, but you really should uh, get out of here. You should find a new home. And uh, that's kind of the last bit where the remaining native holds up their hand to the devil's paw and just says home as Jonah kind of just leaves them there. Right. Now, because it's vague, it's been a long time since I've read all this stuff, I believe we may visit Devil's Paw one last time. I, I have a feeling that there's a loose end or two mm-hmm. uh, that probably can or need to be revisited. Agree. Like I said, I just, I don't remember, you know what I mean? Like it's been, so I actually forgot that, that there was a sequel to Devil's Paw because I'm, I remember other things more vividly than this story. For sure. But uh, so on to the book that I had to read, which was Amazing Spider-Man uh, 402, written by Dematis, art by Mark Bagley, which once again, don't even have to discuss Mark Bagley's art. It's beautiful all through. You know, once again, no matter what the story is going to be, I'm a big, I always say Mount Rushmore of Spider-Man artists. So, uh, the book starts out with Peter goes to see Detective What About Me, What About Raven, uh, as he's out, Peter as the Scarlet Spider, because Ben obviously is in jail taking his place while Peter can, uh, you know, basically clear their name. So he ends up talking to to, to Detective Raven. Raven's like, uh, like, oh, my God, your face. He's like, yep. You know, it's just like what Kane does. He's like, yeah, well, you have the wrong man in prison. He goes, if I do. I'll do everything in my power to, to free him. And, and Peter's like, I think I'm going to don't mind if I take that upon myself. So he does. Uh, then we cut to Judas traveler in New York. And he's basically thinking like how he couldn't ask for better subjects to, to, to do his tests on because they're so similar, similar and whatever he's doing, whatever the tests are doing, I don't understand, but uh, he keeps doing like all this God like analogy like this is going to get him closer to the threshold of god and when i jump ahead a little bit after he talks to scryer who shows up he's kind of like discussing about like when he ripped off his wings so i don't know if he's a fallen angel because he's been around for so many centuries like if they're going with that and as scryer's talking to him he's like as someone who's known you so long um uh like, why are you doing this to them? Like, I, I think you actually admire them, but like you're, you're, you're wrecking, you could wreck their lives and you could destroy Peter the way with the, like, just with what you know or what you have and break him. And he's like, well, I have to do uh, what I have to do to get like, you know, for the greater good, very all, all vague. Don't know what's going on with Judas Traveler and Scryer. I, uh, I do want to interject and read this bit of dialogue between the two of them, okay? Okay. Scryer says, for hundreds of years, emphasis on this, I have been your sole confidant, the one person you turn to when the burden of your quest becomes too much to bear. Traveler replies, and you've served me well, but a servant you are and shall always remain. These are key. These okay. Are key to the future of this whole storyline. Right. Should I understand them now, though? Am Absolutely I not. Okay. The way you're saying, I was wondering if, like, oh, these are, 
these these are so obvious I'm dumb kind of a thing. These okay. are things that aren't going to pay off until we get to weeks 40. Oh, good. You know, I'm That's really why I want thinking... to make sure that I read these certain things like this. It's for the for the benefit of the listeners that are not reading along but are enthralled by us going on this journey. The benefit for you to point out these sort of things and also to remind myself, it's like, oh, yeah, I have to remember when X, Y, Z happens. So let's let's talk about C, D and F here, you know, right? how it ties into it. Somebody being Mysterio. I don't know. Sure. Um, but uh, like I said, I just have these weird like fallen angel things right now. But uh, then we cut to Peter getting home and MJ is mad. Because he laughed and didn't leave a note. So she didn't know. He's like, are you gone? Were you abducted? Like, with everything going on, like, like you could have left a note. He's like, oh, I didn't want to worry. Kind of a deal. Um, but she's like, after everything I've been through, like, with the whole, I guess, the spider thing. And she's like, I do love you kind of a deal. But, like, we, this would have broken, like, lesser women. Like, but we had kind of have to work together on this. And this is probably my favorite part of the issue is she gives him the... The information that Dr. Trainer is that his last name? Seward um, Trainer, yes. Seward Trainer gave her. And she's like, here. And I do like the fact right here with Mark Bagley. Like, Mark Bagley's art conveys everything I need to know without seeing it, like, without anybody saying blah, blah, blah. That was actually the most powerful, like, moment. Like, one of those uh, shining moments in this, this, you know, dreck that we're starting to get into. So I really like that. And then we basically just find out that. Trainer said that with the irradiated blood, it, you know, it, the baby could have uh, be deformed or could have problems. We don't know. Um, and, and Peter's trying to make it better. He's like, yeah, like we'll pull through maybe, you know, like our love will see us kind of a deal. And she's like, yeah, but if it wasn't for, and she loses her mind, if it wasn't for your stupid irradiated blood. And that's, and then she basically does that thing. Like, Oh, I can't believe I just said that. They apologize. Like, Oh, we're together. We'll figure this out. And then all of a sudden, Judas Traveler, you know, comes, shows up with gas or something, makes MJ pass out. And Peter's like, oh, have you come here to fight? Let's go. Like, I, he's like, no, I'm not here to fight. Um, he's going to, I'm here to study you. I'm going to break you down to your psyche and, 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 and your soul and blah, I, blah, blah. I do but, have to interject here for a moment. Did I miss something? No, you didn't miss. So you have your big, two, you have your big splash page. Uh, with Peter there in the Scarlet Spider outfit and Judas Traveler. And as you mentioned, he's like, well, if it's a fight you want. And uh, he says, you know, I haven't brought you here to do battle. I've brought you here to study uh, you. And then he says, since that day at Ravencroft, when I looked into the mind of those twisted and corrupted souls, asterisk, and we get our footnote that says, in the already classic power and responsibility crossover, Todd, I take umbrage with that. Is that right. storyline really a classic? Well, time will tell, Joe. I was going to get to only time will tell that that's a classic storyline. When um, I saw that, I'm like, well, let's not, you know, I, I mean, at the time, uh, you know, you want to remind people of it, but I don't know how well, well that footnote holds up. <laughs> Joe, as you always say, history will tell the tale. Well, you know, we many years from now, it may be a classic tale, but uh Peter's like, oh, you're going to use me, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Like, I'm not going to have any of it. Do you understand the pain that you, like, you inflict when you do this stuff? And, like, uh, he's like, Judas is like, pain? You know, like, I'll show you pain. And he ends up, like, 
I don't know. Does he say lay down and not be able to move? Whatever. I'm not sure how his powers work. Yeah, but... he just like he just says paralyzed, can't move, lay on the ground. Right. Um, which I think are subliminal messages from somebody using Mysterio gas. But uh, so he ends up falling. He's like, well, let me show you my lifetime of pain. And he ends up like, this is what I feel. So uh, and I'm like, OK, I I guess. And then he lets him up and he's like, basically, well, you're a virtue. He's like, you you know, you help people who don't who who don't need to, you know, who you you you. you you almost sacrifice your life for people you don't even know, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up making a deal. He's like, oh, like, how about this? I have Aunt May soul. And he's like, you have Aunt May soul? Yeah, it's just a mere whim that I could capture them. I could even bring her back. But what if I have to kill 150 people? What if it's just six people that I have to kill to bring her back? What if it's just one that nobody knows that like, you know, that wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know, or anybody would care about missing. Um, And you could have your Aunt May back. And he ends up just, you know, grabbing the orb sphere out of his hands and smashing. He's like, Aunt May's free. Uh, so, you know, that's good. And then Drew's like, well, I have something to show you. This is really confusing at this point. And he's like, I have a vision to show you. And he ends up showing him like a destroyed New York or like definitely a destroyed New York. This is your future, but a possible destroyed world to me. I'm like, I'm not sure which is, you know, which it is, but like to, to be continued kind of a deal. Uh, very vague. Uh, once again, not really sure of Jews Traveler's deal, but it's good to know. I'll find out in oh, I don't know, like cu- like twenty weeks. Yeah, maybe more. Um, oh, okay. So okay. Um, I don't want. So as you mentioned, the Peter Mary Jane stuff was great. The dialogue is great. Bagley's art is great, conveying the emotion that they're both going through, finding out the information. That due to Peter's, you know, DNA, possibly him being the clone, whatever, um, could affect their baby, right? And this is, you know, an emotional thing. They kind of even push back on some of the stuff that happened pre-Spider-Clone Saga, where Peter had kind of retreated back into being just the spider and stuff. And they kind of try to put a bow on that to kind of like, okay, we, we've resolved this here in this conversation. But we're at the point where they are just playing too fast and loose with what Judas Traveler can do, okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's like, he's doing this whole thing. He's like, well, you know, I'm not a god, but I could do god things. And, you know, I could grab a soul right before it leaves. But, you know, I really can't do that. But here's the thing that I can show you. So all of it is in the crux of playing games with Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And it's all these testing that he's that he's wanting to do, right? And right. this is the first issue of reading the Judas Traveler stuff that I was so frustrated with the ambiguity of it and just how he could do anything at any time with no repercussions. And, like, Peter even gets a bit where, like, Peter's like, listen, we're in my mindscape. I'm in control. You know, you're not going to use me anymore. And it's this huge, big, giant splash page, right? Mm-hmm. This would have been the perfect end to wrap up all this Judas Traveler nonsense. But as I mentioned, it goes on for like another 25 to 30 weeks of what we're going to be reading. It goes on for however many more years of this. And reading this and talking about it here with you made me so badly just wanted to spoil the whole thing on you. But, Todd, if I had to go through it over the course of two and a half years, you have to go through it over the course of a year. 
Right. Didn't you, so basically you're admitting you pulled an Adam with uh, making me read the clone saga because now you have to read it. At this point, yes. Okay. Um, See, but there's there was good stuff in here. Um, this is the first issue I think of all of the all of the Spider Clone stuff that Kane did not appear. Right. Uh, uh, he's I, talked about. He's mentioned. They keep saying, you know, when Kane's not there, they keep saying, "Where's Poochie?" <laughs> but I will say you're right. Like the to me, the best stuff in this stuff is the the what about me? What about Raven? Detective? What about me? What about Raven? And the the MJ Peter stuff because everything else it just seems is not in the realm of and and they've gotten into like years later it's not the street level like like whatever's going on with judas traveler if it's not like like i say mysterio gas and uh judas traveler can do what he's doing it's way ago above peter's pay grade which is anytime i like peter should not be saving the world at any point in his in in his comic if you get what i mean so i don't know it just doesn't seem right so again, uh, you keep saying Mysterio gas, mm-hmm. and it's not Mysterio. I can tell you that much. Okay. All right. So uh, next week we have uh, what Jonah Hex, uh, thirty, and adjectiveless Spider-Man number fifty-nine. Okay. Where this uh, little bit gets wrapped up, and then we head into the trial of Peter Parker. Oh, this whole endeavor is a trial, Joe. The trial of Todd Roker reading the trial of Peter Parker. You just want to trial me trialing this? Uh, well, we're trialing it together. How about that? Okay. Uh, so that being said, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have art attacks from a leftover from last week. We had Fred Chamberlain uh, with his uh, Todd Art Attack. I could finally announce that I've been cast in the upcoming MCU film. Um, he, he had a Tom Durenick, uh He was scrollified on the cover. Uh, and that was the other one that I missed. There was That was definitely, like I said, the only one that we haven't seen is the Retailer and Ralph's Moose one. But I think that's really cool. I, you know, I'm getting old. I should have remembered this. And I've, 2007 or 8 this was so oh my god can't believe how long ago that was um also todd what could i tell you right also from bloop bloop bridge um elsa chartier's art book from kickstarter volume one is en route and i messed up not getting the november commentary books but this is nice um that i like the art on that the art book is really pretty um that Catwoman is pretty awesome reminds me of the like the 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 definitely has the brubaker run feel you know what i mean yeah I yeah really i get that. a very um darwin um, cook yes a, a very darwin cook vibe from her art mm-hmm. and uh just to throw that out there since uh again bloop bloop bridge as you mentioned my friend david mm-hmm. uh he mentions uh elsa and I would say, assume since she is French, that it's probably Chartier, uh, right. her website, BigHeadLittleArms.com, where you could check that stuff out, uh, buy those art books and prints and so forth. Right, right. Thank you with your with your French pronunciation. I'm not good with other languages the way you are, Joe. I'm fairly good with English. Let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves. True, true. Um, and finally, uh, Rebar- Rebecca's art. Just some random character sketches from Rebecca once again. 
Um, uh, looks like, you know, just standard stuff that uh, gets their style through. You know what I mean? I love chess, it says on the one person's shirt. I'm wondering if that's a an evil wooden robot in the background. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but all cool stuff, you know? Right. I get the vibe that that's some sort of, like, servant droid or robot in the background there on mm-hmm. the right of Rebecca's art. Uh, on the left, that critter or creature that's reading a book looks very much like the uh, disgusting diaper babies from Nothing But Trouble that <laughs> live in the junkyard and not allowed in the house. And then the main character on the page, I get strong Star Fox by way of David Bowie vibes from. Ah, okay. Fair enough. But all in all, some very nice art there, as always, Rebecca. And while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want stuff from this show, uh, art and logos inspired from Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds With Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, on more than just shirts, everything from notebooks to phone covers to face masks to everything in between, head over to our T Public store. They're running a 35% off sale on everything up to Monday with Memorial Day upon us, and you can find that at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. You can also support us by signing up for our Patreon. Uh, As little as a dollar a month, you get those two bonus shows from Todd and I. Uh, One is the Six Never Seen Films. We just recorded uh, Ed Wood this past week, a little bit late, but still there. Uh, We have Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We're getting ready in just a few weeks to do June 1991. And like I said, you get those for a dollar a month at the $5 and up level. You get those two shows two weeks before everyone else. Plus you get Longbox Heroes After Dark like three days before everyone else. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I said, if you're a fan of Todd and I, for as little as a dollar, you get two extra shows from us. Uh, I feel it's the best bang for your buck. I agree. One more way that you can help us out, of course, is by making any and all of your purchases through our amazon click through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com they call it an advertising fee i call it the thing that makes todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of said advertising fee some of the notable purchases through the click through this week are uh somebody purchased a bunch of packets of the stevia in the raw sweetener Uh, i'm a truvia man myself Uh, somebody purchased Purina Tidy Cat 4-in-1 Clumping Cat Litter. Uh, Somebody also purchased Glad Round Disposable Paper Plates for all occasions. Uh, I assume Glad has specific plates with specific designs for specific occasions. I wasn't able to find any, but I'm sure they exist. Uh, Somebody also purchased uh, two packages of Amazon brand Tall Kitchen Drawstring trash bags and someone who is shoot trash should know that very well (laughs) Uh, somebody also purchased two packages of 12 acoustic panels for soundproofing um a set in black and a set in white i wonder if someone is building like some sort of recording studio or some sort of uh podcasting studio if you are let us know 
<laughs> someone also purchased phone loops, the original phone loop finger strap for mobile phones. And last but not least, somebody purchased the Amazon exclusive Funko Pop uh, wreck everyone and leave of our tribal chief, the head of the table, the ooh man himself, Roman Reigns. That's right. I bet that ruins anybody's Amazon uh, algorithm who bought that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but Joe, just so you know, those were a lot of nice purchases and we, and we thank you. Um, but I just want to say it wasn't Amazon, but I got something this week. I bought a, a fantastic four number 17, the fifth, uh, appearance of Dr. Doom, but I'd like you to know that that was an acquisition because purchases are for toy boys, acquisitions are for men, Joe. Alright, I was going to say, have the weekly purchases uh, crept over into every single podcast on the network, but no, this was a weekly acquisition. That's right. For men, not toy boys. Wake up your wife and tell her that. Oh, I'm sure she felt the chill go through her entire body hearing me say it aloud. <laughs> right. So I think that's it for the main show. Uh, we're about to dive into The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, yes? Yes, I believe so. All right. So uh, if you don't care, you're not watching The Flash, what have you, we bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, episode 556, Longbox Heroes, and let's... Get into the Flash. I need to update my links. Right. Uh, this was uh, no Carl or Steve in this episode, even though it was entitled Family Matters Part 1. <laughs> um, so this essentially is Barry and Iris and the crew attempting to wrangle the forces. You know, the forces that Barry and Iris created... So we really lean heavy into this whole, there are children, that uh, we're your parents, and you're all brothers and sisters stuff. Right. Todd, I want to let you know right now, I really hate this whole brothers and sisters, fathers and daughters and sons stuff that they're doing with the forces. They're grown adults. They're the same age, if not maybe in some cases a little bit older than Barry and Iris. And it's like, mommy, daddy. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm not digging any of this. I get what you're saying because they establish that the forces are in these people and they're slowly taking over kind of a thing. And let me just put it this way. I didn't dig the force story when it was just other forces in the comics. Like that was the explanation that we only, we only knew about the speed force. There were these other forces and they they're out there. And here are the people who have them and you just didn't know. It. And I'm like, all right, I'm not big on that as a story either. But boy, oh boy, this whole thing with that. And and is it me or are they doing like Nora's makeup different as she gets the speed force gets more and more evil, Joe? I just feel like she I, I just I feel very weird with that. Now they're teaming up and they're going they're going, you know, Dion the still force is with with her because I was out to kill you, but now I'm using you to do. I, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so the, I guess this, let's say with the C story is, uh, Cisco and Camilla preparing to move away from central city. Camilla, obviously a little bit more gung ho about leaving Cisco, not as much. 
as gung ho. And we get that as a little bit to keep him around for at least a little bit longer, at least until the mid season break, I guess. Right. Uh, but the B story, of course, is the stuff with Joe and uh, Kramer. And I don't want to say Kramer went behind his back, but she did. Uh, went to the governor to get approved to have the metahuma cure in those bullets in the armory. Right. And Joe's like, this isn't how we do things. And she's like, well, the way you've done things for the past six or seven years uh, here hasn't really worked. So now it's time for a different approach uh, to which Joe says, you may be right, um, but I don't think you are. Right. And if you're going to draw a line, I'm going to be on the other side of this line. And he kind of resigns from the police force. And I thought the Joe stuff this week was fantastic. I agree. That was my favorite stuff. He's like probably now that Wells is gone, the best actor on the show. Yeah. Um, and I, I did like, I did because I, you know, the whole thing where you're talking about the line, the kind of the gist of it was like, you know, you're on the wrong side of the line. And she's like, no, no, no. The lines moved. Like it, this is it. I, you know, and I like it all. And I, and I hate Kramer more and more and more. Like just like starting to get that, like real, just hatred out of me. Not, you know, legit, but you get what I'm saying as a character. So it goes on like, and when he ends up being like, Oh, I'm going to retire. And he puts down the badge and the gun. Like that's the one I know we're losing Wells. And we're, I know we're losing Cisco. Like this one makes me worry that we'll lose Joe West. And I hope we don't. Uh, I don't think we're going to lose Joe. I think Joe is just going to get a different role, maybe. Right, maybe a private detective when uh, Elongated Man comes back. The one true Elongated Man. Yeah, well, obviously, I think this is going to give Joe opportunity to do more for the, the Flash crew themselves. And then when Kramer's plan blows up in her face, he can always come back to the force, I'm sure. Right. They can come back and be like, hey, we were wrong. Come back to the force, Joe. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but I didn't like the main story stuff just because I think the mommy, daddy, kids, brother, sister stuff is weird and creepy and I don't like it. Right. And I don't care about the psych origin story. Um... I just if don't care. Psych was the only villain. Um, and they weren't trying to redeem him. And the fact that a majority of the folks that he went after from his old Ivy League days were in fact jerks. Um, the fact that they were secretly putting together a fund to make him just as rich as them because his parents kind of left him out high and dry because they were fifty million dollars in like debt to the tax collectors or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um I felt as though that might not have been true. I felt as though Iris was maybe lying to them, lying to him, because it seemed as though the Ivy League people, when he was confronting them, were all jerks. What? Rich people? Jerks? That doesn't pan. At least rich people on TV legally have to be jerks. Right, right. They're all villains. No, I get it. I don't know. That whole thing with, like, you know, and then, like, Iris is like, I learned this thing at the end. It's kind of like... Oh, why didn't you just say this in the beginning, like when you found it out? I don't know. It just seems like these plots lately are whatever they need to be at any given moment. Like there's not a lot of whole like thought put into them, but yay, Flash, seven seasons. 
Uh, so the um, Legend of Tomorrow this this week, um, it's all revolving around 1962 and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yep. Um, you know, Todd, do you want to take a guess at what was distracting to me in this episode? Was it the even worse than David Bowie, JFK? Todd, if they wasted my wig and my tiny hat budget on these bad, rea- like these bad actors to recreate members of history, I want my wig and hat budget back. But, Joe, like when, when, uh, uh, what's Zari's brother's name? I forget. Either way, he looks like more like Che Guevara than anybody else does in like the past stuff. Uh, like you know, your 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 JFK or whatever. I'm like, it's that's bad. Like you can't find one guy in the whole world who looks like JFK, but at least he sounded spot on with that accent. Hmm. When he oh, no, tried but... the accent, he did. What you're saying that he slipped in and out of it? He did. Oh, that might be the way I remember it, too. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and Barad wasn't Che Guevara. He was Che's brother, Jay. But I have to admit, oh, my God, when he put the bandana, the beret on, mm-hmm. I was like, I know what bit they're going for immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they telegraphed it quite a bit. Um, so I didn't really care so much for the missile crisis stuff. I did like more or less. This now officially, sadly, being the beginning of them writing Rory out of the show. But he's going to be around off and on all through this season and season seven. Unless he ticks off the the upper ups at CW again. Right. Uh, But at least them doing this, Rory gets like one final bit where he kind of takes charge, makes a bunch of mistakes. um, But then kind of like, well, I got to fix my mistakes uh, with him and... Gary's fiance, who now shows that she's also a sexy lady who is just like Mick. Right. I wonder if anything will become of that, Joe. Yeah. And let me ask you a question, because you read a little bit of Young Justice back in the day. Sure. This 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 Texas girl that shows up that could speak with aliens. You remember how, like, when all this started out, we felt like uh, that Rip Hunter you know, uh, was the character, but they, they wanted booster gold, but then they made it rip. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they would do various things. Like we wanted booster and beetle, but we're going to have Adam and steel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I feel like they wanted Ginny hex for this Texas girl and it to like tie into Jonah and be her great, 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 great granddaughter. And, the, and somebody told them, no, we have other plans for her because the more I'm coming around on this, on this character, but more and more, and I've read a little more Ginny Hex than you, that I feel like that was the character that was slated for this. And they're like, Oh, we don't have time to change it. Just make her a new character from Texas who could shoot people. Yeah, I I definitely think uh, you are correct in that, that it was supposed to be Ginny Hex. So, but I like the fact that, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was say I did like the fact that it ended in a football game and not not a wrestling match. So I'll take that. This episode <laughs> it hinged on that. This was just an okay episode. Didn't love it. 
there were bits that I actually really, really liked. Um, like I did like the fact that like Zari and Nate, like they're working that bit out, you know, like that she looks like her old girlfriend, but I do like, they did get a man of steel joke in there, Joe. That was kind of nice, but, uh, that was a bit, but I, it's weird. And I hope when we do, cause next week that they're going to go move in with, uh, John and Astra that, right, uh, because they don't have a ship anymore. Right. Cause uh, Mick took it to go find Sarah that, uh, we get. Like while they're off doing their JFK, I have a feeling that while they're off doing their uh, the Cuba Missile Crisis story, we're gonna get what was going on because of uh, on their side because of COVID. We could do we could shoot two different things. If, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like we, we don't want to have the whole crew together and be like, oh. And then at the end, they show up and like, hey, what wacky adventure did you guys have? Well, tell us about your adventure. Definitely bottle episodes. I think they call them. Yeah, because again, John and Astra and Gary and Sarah were not in this, and maybe, and again, not looking at it, but I'm sure like next week we'll be maybe focusing on them. Right. It'll, and then we'll slowly get back to having them all in the same room. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the shows weren't uh, home runs this week either, sadly. What? I don't know. I think as we trudge out the next. 17 issues of flash it's going to be a-okay 17 episodes but yes episodes yes but you know i still have fun doing the podcast with you todd yeah i still have fun during everything but the clone saga and the flash i mean well, all over all over what do we got two weeks until low-key premieres yep june 9th i think it is no. Remember they moved it up? Oh, that's right. right. It is June 9th. It was supposed to be uh, the Friday and now it's the Wednesday. That's what it was. Which is the 9th, right? Yeah, yeah. You're correct. Okay. The 9th. Yes, that's right. And then I think our show's going on. Um, Break's coming up here soon. I have a feeling that Legends of Tomorrow will because they don't have enough to, you know, to to do a whole season. So they have they break that up. So it looks like maybe Flash it flashes off a week, and then it's right back into the thick of things. They're they're off uh, next week. Okay. Oh, really? Well, it would be so like June first, I guess. Right. Okay. So we won't have an, an episode to watch this week? No, no, no. Like, there's an episode airing tonight. Oh, that's right. I get confused that it's on as we as we record. But, and then let me that, look at Legends of Tomorrow. Where do you look for that stuff? IMDb. I, IMDb? Okay. So then there's no Legends this weekend. Okay. They're back um, on the 6th, and then everything else after that, there's no uh, right. dates. Right. And the reason probably for No Legends is Memorial Day weekend, and the world is opening up again, Joe. Right. So. So we'll just have Flash next week. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. So now we could close this up. Uh, ending episode 556 of Longbox Heroes 
For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.